Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. So I'm going to make sure you're with me again. Most pregnancies are exercises in struggle at the least. I'm not sure what it was like for all of you, but I know what it was like in my household. With Amy, she struggled with uh, sicknesses, with every single one, all three of them didn't change, didn't matter if they were, she was sick during all of them, and I refused to call it morning sickness. I don't even know where that term came up because in my life, not my experience. She would get sick whenever she decided she was going to be sick and whatever, whenever, what created it. She walked in the house when I was good enough. I was a good husband. I cooked, uh, I had the food on the stove. It was bubbling with all kind of sensory. It, man, I was excited about eating that dinner. She walked in the house and went, turned right around and ran outside. And it wasn't like she said, okay, uh, I'll wait out here, you eat. You have to get that out of the house, turn the fans on. I don't want nothing to do with it. So I'm like kicked out of my house, eating out of a pan in the backyard. <laughs> it was rough, brother. It was rough. <laughs> had to, uh, that difficulty, she had gestational diabetes with Emily, our third child. And you get multiplied struggle. And even if you didn't struggle with those early pregnancy pains, certainly the birth process itself is fraught with difficulty. Say again, amen, ladies. Without greater detail, I think all of us can agree it's painful. Yet, women keep having babies. <laughs> Why in God's name would you go through the unavoidable pain of childbirth? I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I'll give you a minute. Why in God's name would you go through the unavoidable pain? Some women have slightly heightened emotional states during pregnancy. Slightly heightened. Their bodies become contorted in ways that's inhuman. They may lose control of otherwise fully controllable body functions. And I could go on, but you get the picture, right? And so I asked the question, why in God's name would you go through the unavoidable pain of childbirth? And every parent in this place could answer the question. We are out of our minds. I had to say that, but 
when, when I looked at the child to be biblical, fruit of my loins, the first, my firstborn, Mark, it, the joy, the euphoria. I don't have enough words to describe what I felt like when I looked at that child until I had my second child. And the joy is repeated again. And then, in my case, I had that beautiful baby girl to look in the eye and say, Jesus, I can't imagine being more blessed than I feel right now in this moment. So that's the answer. Women keep having babies. Women keep going through the struggle. No, it doesn't make sense. But it's that euphoria, that joy, that love that you feel for a human being that you had a part in making. I did that. Do you know something? God does that with you. Well, I'm serious. I'm not making this up. Isn't it heart cheering to know that God delights in you? Look at your neighbor right now and say, I don't care what you think about me. God really delights in me. I'm sorry, I can hear folks down here in the front zone and... It's not meant for public knowledge, but it was, it became public. Somebody has to love you like that. Glad somebody thinks of you that way. <laughs> I want you to see this passage of scripture from Jeremiah 32 verse 41. Jeremiah 32 verse 41 sets it this way, yes. I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. That's the word of God. That's how he talks about you. But we don't see it. Uh, we get blinded by our own mess, don't we? We get blinded by the garbage that we allow into our minds and, and into our hearts. But, but check out who God is talking to in this moment in Jeremiah. You got to know this. These are the children of Israel. You might have suspected that. But at the moment of this prophecy... They are in rebellion against God. This fact should remind you of the goodness of God toward his children even in rebellion. 
Oh, somebody's listening to me right now. You think you are so far beyond God being able to reach into your life and forgive you of your mess. Oh, I'm about to hit you with it. Because you don't know who he's talking to right now. You don't know the rest of the story. So lest you think that this is some lightweight embrace of God to a people that, you know, they're not so bad. You're sitting there right now thinking, yeah, I know he thinks of you that way, preacher, because, you know, you got saved, you were eight years old, and never really did get into any great big mess. I, I did sin, you know that. Not claiming in uh, perfection by any stretch, but... But still, you know, and God got a hold of me. I was 14. I, I, that Between 8 and 14 wasn't really doing it right, but I had no good foundation and only went to church in the summers. I was with my dad. And so here's what I want you to catch, though. The people that God is talking to right now in this prophecy, part of their in rebellion included that they sacrificed their oldest child, their firstborn, in the fire to another god. I'm not saying that figuratively. So now you tell me your sin's worse than that. You tell me your rebellion's worse than that. Their own child, who I just described what it's like for me as a parent, offering them up in the fire to a false God, someone who did not exist. And yet, here's God. I will rejoice over them. He's saying it prophetically. They're not in this spot right now. It's a prophetic word of God, of what God will do. He's purposed in his mind, in his will. I will rejoice over them. To do them good. And look, he puts this on the statement, with all my heart and with all my soul. When God declares something like that, it's going to happen. God has in mind your success and restoration. I don't care how bad you are or how bad it's been. God has in mind your success and restoration. I'm a preacher. You don't know how bad I've been. I just got through telling you, I don't think it's as bad as these people, some of these people. No, all of them weren't that bad, but all of them were in rebellion. And here's our trouble. We cannot see any reason in ourselves why the Lord should take pleasure in us, but he does. How often do you find yourself condemning yourself? Come on, somebody. You don't have to raise your hand, but we, we do it. We're human. You beat yourself up so bad. Think, what a numbskull you say to yourself. How could you do that? How could you do that? You knew better, and yet you walked right into it. You cannot delight in yourself because you know of your own unfaithfulness. We are conscious of our sinfulness and and our imperfections. We're like the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners, he said of himself. I am, Paul said, the chief of sinners. The Apostle Paul, 
I am the chief of sinners. Yet, we need to note that, that Paul never allowed that to keep him from doing the ministry God had called him to do. So you can point back to some mess. You can point back to the degradation of your previous life, even if it was just yesterday. You see, here's the trouble with that mindset. When you're beating yourself up, it affects how you perceive others look at you. You're beating yourself up. You're thinking that they think I'm, an, I'm just a natural mess. They must think I am the worst. But I want to ask you today, when you're taking your notes, give God a chance. Give, give God a chance. I want you to, with me, dwell on this transcendent truth this morning. It's now afternoon. Like a loving parent, God shows us a divine mystery. It's not logical. I just... <laughs> I use the illustration of us with our children, we as parents. And so I told you that Pastor Amy had gestational diabetes whenever our daughter, she was pregnant with Emily. And for those of you who do not, do not know what that means, it just means she had diabetes during the time of pregnancy. And at that time, at least, she had to give herself a shot in the thigh every day. In the thigh. And even when she was giving birth, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. She will testify in agreement. While she was in the process of giving birth, she looked at me in the eye. It was not, you are so, you are so beautiful. To me, you are. No, it was not that. It was not that. Thank God he didn't allow her to do what she felt to do in that moment. I would not now be your pastor. You did this to me. Excuse me, dear. You had a little part to play in this, but... You were there, but which I did not say. I did not say that. I knew better, even in my ignorant youth. I knew better, but I'm not kidding you. I, what I'm telling you now is the real story. So you have, this is the curtain, and I'm letting you peek behind it today. Before we left the hospital with our beautiful baby daughter, now you heard what I just said, she said, and what she went through. Before we left the hospital, she looked me in the eye and she said, 
wouldn't you like to have another? She needs a sister. I looked at her, this time all of the, all bets are off now. I looked her in the eye and I said, honey, you are out of your mind. Where were you for the last nine months? I was there, I saw it. What are you thinking? That was the number one thing. And the number two thing was, look, we already took care of that problem, so it ain't happening with me, dear. And I, but I'm saying that, and, I, and yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the humor of it because it is humorous, and that's how out of our minds, so to speak, we are. But God is out of his mind over you. And that's not a politically, biblically correct statement, but I want you to get the concept. God thinks of you the same way. It doesn't make sense. It's a divine mystery. Just as a groom rejoices over his bride, so does the Lord rejoice over us. It's not just God saying attaboy, because I could say attaboy to any guy. It's God saying, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's my child. It's not the generic, just he thinks that about people. No, he thinks this about you personally. My children did something great. That's, that's my child. You can't slap that smile off this face. That's mine. I did that. Is God backing up the words of the psalmist? I will. You hear the positive. I will rejoice over them to do them good. It's God purposing to do good in your life. And, and he's doing it. He's saying it here. And, and as he said through the psalmist, I will prepare a table before you. I'm going to dress the table. I'm going to make it nice. I'm going to prepare a table before you. Even when there's garbage coming, even when the enemy is on your rear, even when he's tracking you down, I'm there. Do you good. Do you know that God doesn't say this over anything else in creation? Listen, think about those most beautiful snow-capped mountains out west. He doesn't say this over them. I will rejoice over them. He doesn't say over the beautiful stars and the night skies and perhaps you've sat sometime just looking up into the stars thinking this is, this is amazing. Oh, I know he says over, he said over his creation in Genesis it was good. But look at what he says once he puts you into the mix. God says, it's very good. Now this is, this was good, but this, this is very good. Tell your neighbor, God thinks you're awesome. 
Albert, you're going to tell her that after what she said about you? Hmm? A moment ago? Yes. I reserve my judgment, Albert said. God thinks you're awesome. Here's the part. I'm going to get you on this one. He doesn't say this about the angels. The angels are perfect. Yeah, some of y'all had, you, you, you had more than one child and, and the other child or children thought that one was perfect. Right? You, you ever had that? The angels were perfect. The angels are perfect. They've never made a mistake. And they continuously praise God in the heavenlies. Are you hearing? This is for real. I'm not making this up. The angels continuously praise God and they do it and have done it for eternity and they've never made a mistake. They're perfect. Yet God has never said over an angel, I will rejoice over them to do them good with all of my heart and with all of my soul. He doesn't say that over the angels. Here we are, poor, fallen, depraved, and yet Almighty God sings over us. I, I remember when I first heard that, the course, because it was the course that, I mean, I've read the entire Bible multiple times, but I, I, I know I'd read the verse, but it just never clicked with me because I never had that impression of God. But, but when, I, when I thought about it and I, and I, and, and I read it, I remember re sing, hearing the choruses first. God sings over us, and I thought that was like, rainbows and puffy clouds and unicorns sounds to me. God sings over me. And Think about it. We are now saved, exalted, justified, redeemed, purified, soon to be glorified. By his grace. This is strong language, and I, I want to make sure you capture it, that he expresses delight in his people. That's strong language. Who could have conceived of the eternal one as bursting forth into song? Who could have? And yet, Zephaniah... A prophet in chapter 3, verse 17, says these words. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. Now look, at, look, that's my picture of God. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. That's what he does. 
He does that over you. Not just who you think are good people. Who you perceive as, you know, T.T. Tina. God rejoices over her to do her good. You, not your, your grandmother. Some of you Hispanics, they, they have the utmost honor and respect for that great grandmother that, that really loved God. And she was full on Pentecostal, not this playtime Pentecostal we are today. He sings over you. You. God can't help himself. Seriously. This is God gushing over you. But we'll rejoice over you with singing. That's God gushing over you. You ever been one of those parents? Y'all remember back in the day when we actually had photographs in our, in our wallets and purses? Y'all remember those days? And when my kids were born, you know, we carried around photographs. And what? And what parent didn't? We were all caught up in this. Check this out. I did that. I had a little help, but you know, I did that. But this is God saying, isn't this the most beautiful creature you ever saw? God does that with you. I mean it with you. I mean, you know you, but, but listen, God's like I was with my kids. We thought we had the most beautiful babies ever born in all of creation. Yours are okay. You did all right. But check this out. Bam. I know all babies are cute. Kinda. I better stop right there, right, Tina? But, but we all think this way of ours, right? You do. You rejoice over them with singing. They make your heart smile. And nothing can take that away. Once we are purchased by his blood, we become his chosen ones. Look at your neighbor now and say, I'm chosen. That makes me special. Yeah, the, the, the new birth gives you family ties. God's carrying you around in his eternal wallet. Showing off your picture to the angels. So check this out. See what I did? I made that. I did that. God's saying that over you. We begin to take on the attributes of our Father. Look at your neighbor right now. Tell him you got your father's eyes. That means you should start seeing things differently. 
when you start seeing things the way God sees things, the way he thinks of you, the way he considers you, you see it differently. He embraces you in a way that you, you, you're holding up the standard saying, no, God, I ain't worthy, I ain't worthy. And God's saying, I made you worthy. Don't you put up your hands like, keep a distance. Nah, come on in. I'm going to give you a big old Holy Ghost hug. We got that this morning, didn't we? Got a big old Holy Ghost hug. God can't restrain himself when it comes to you. Because he overflows with divine exclamations of joy. Don't believe it's true? Preacher, you were given those Old Testament scriptures. I ain't done. Watch what Romans says. You know these verses, but hear them with your father's eyes and your father's mindset. Look at verse 38 in chapter 8 of Romans. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tell me that's not God gushing over you. That's poetic right there. I mean, it's God sitting there saying, nothing, nothing. I'll let him hear it. He may be using Paul, but he said through the Spirit, tell them, tell them. They ain't nothing can make my love for them go away. Our only valid response we can make is also a passage of Scripture. Come on, Robert, wherever you are, somewhere in the, there you are. Hear this word from Habakkuk, another prophet, but this is in response to what God says to us. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. That's your response. That's what you say in response. You love me with an everlasting love. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? Maybe, just maybe you're in the starting block right now. What I mean by that is that you're in a position that you're not in a right relationship with Christ. So you're thinking, I don't qualify, Lord. I don't qualify. I mean, that preacher's been talking about how you love us, but I'm not sure I fit in the category because I'm not in the right place with you. Would you come to that right place just now? Would you stop standing on the outside, looking across the fence, seeing the good things that God has for his children and, and thinking it doesn't apply to you, but God's giving that supernatural, that divine invitation 
And he's saying, come sup with me. Come dine with me. I've prepared a table for you. Come on, come on, join the family. That's God with you today. He's saying, come on, get in. All of this good stuff I have prepared is prepared for you too. Just come on in. And, and, and I've made it. I've made my invitation as abundantly clear as I possibly can because I sent my one and only son who out of my love for you, he came and gave his life, shed his blood so that you could have this invitation. But it requires you to accept the invitation. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes today. If you're not in a right place with God, something's come between you and God. Or perhaps you've walked away from Him and you need to get back to a right relationship with God. You would say or acknowledge that with an upraised hand. Say, preacher, pray for me. I've got to get things right with the Lord today. Raise that hand up right now. God bless you. Is there someone else? Someone else. I'll give you a moment. Come on, receive that divine invitation to be forgiven, to receive his wondrous love, his good embrace. You know how it feels when you're restored relationally with somebody that something happened and they give you that warm embrace. God wants to give you that today. So if there's been some separation between you and God, just lift your hand and say, I want to get right today. Yes, I want to remove the question mark. And here's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to ask you to make a bold step. If you want to make that relationship with God right and sure and strong, he talks about us acknowledging him before men. So I wonder if you'd be willing to get out of your pew if you raised your hand and you meant business and just come right up to the altar this morning. I know that's old-fashioned, but it's, it's based on the word. Would you come? Would you come? Come on, you mean business with God. Come on out of that pew. Make your way up here. Come on, turn on Robert's mic. I just want to be here with you. See, that's God saying that to you, though. He's saying it to you. I know that the song is from me to him, but he's saying, I want to be there with you. Anybody else? Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to be there. I just want to be here with you. lost in your mystery I'm found in your love for me I just want to be here with you there's nowhere I'd rather be when you're singing all I just want to be here with you. Minister Robert, I know I want you to sing some more, but let me pray with these ladies. Let's get this corrected today in this moment. You've come forward. I want you to pray this prayer with me. 
Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I've been in rebellion. I walked away from you. But I'm coming back now. I'm coming to you now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. And I ask now, you forgive me of all of my sins. From this moment, I'm yours. I'm yours. John and Maria, y'all come up here and just stand beside these two ladies. And ladies, if you would, just take a moment and go with John and Maria. I... This message is not just for people to come to Christ. Because I know how it is when people... I know I've talked to many that are in here this morning. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let Minister Robert sing that amazingly beautiful song, that chorus. And I want you, if you're bold enough and willing to walk it out, then do it. But whether you are or are not isn't the real thing. I want you to allow the words of this song to become your prayer of ascent towards Jesus and his sacrifice on your part. Go ahead, Minister Robert. You can come to the altar. Nowhere I'd rather be when you're singing over me. I just want to be here with you. I'm lost in your mystery. I'm found doesn't make sense to us, but I believe that your word right now is taking root in hearts and lives, and so as we depart from the service this morning, God, you are with us on a whole new level, and I thank you for your embrace, 
I thank you for touching men, women, and young people today and reminding them that you gush over us. You exclaim, that's my boy. You exclaim, she's my daughter. You do that over us, Lord. Thank you, God. And we have those words of assurance. We depart today with that joy in our hearts. Lord, we're going to receive a little bit of cake and maybe some coffee or other drinks. I pray that you bless that. And as we fellowship, we're blessed in your presence. This I pray in your joyous name, Lord. Amen. Let me just make this announcement as you depart today. If you choose to join us in the time of fellowship, I know it's a little awkward. Some of you have your masks and this and that. You can grab something, head outside, go stand on a sidewalk, just be with some family, or if you're not concerned about that, then you can just be with people and not care. And uh, God bless you. I love you. I hope you have an amazing day and full of the love of Jesus today. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.